0: So today, I will be reading from Matthew 13, to 9, and then following that with 18 to 23. And I'm reading from the NRSV, just so you know. Starting with verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, and where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. And now 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. of the word that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but he cares but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields it one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and in another thirty. Good morning.
1: Um, today we're continuing our summer sermon series, which is focusing on revitalization, uh, laying some additional groundwork for discussions and discernments that uh, will continue within our congregation and meetings uh, throughout this next year. Uh, last month in June, uh, we spent time centering on revitalization in Christ, uh, being centered upon the sovereignty, the peace, the love that Jesus Christ offers and provides for all of us. And and during this month, month of July, uh, we're going to be discussing revitalization in community, uh, fellowship of believers, ministering, discipling with one another, supporting one another, encouraging. And so today, uh, as Corey just read Uh, We're looking at the parable of the sower and the seed. And so the the seed, the the gospel of Christ, and as uh, gotquestions.com refers to it, the word of the kingdom, that, that is offered, that is dispersed by the sower. And then Jesus refers to four different responses, four responses that we have as we hear the offering of that seed. So a a couple of questions to start. How do you know if something is identified as being important to remember and understand? And also, how do you know if something viewed or heard is reliable and consistent? And and I would answer that if, if something is deemed as important, you may have multiple individuals refer to that same story within their report, of events and what they've heard. And if something is reliable, then chances are there'll be a consistency. You'll hear the same story. It will be reliable, it will be consistent, it'll be true. And so, so as I share some of that and my next comments, I do understand that Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written from similar perspectives, and they did have some common resources for their writings. Um, Now, depending on the source that you refer to and that you identify with parables in the Bible, there may be considered to be anywhere from 35 to 40 different parables of Jesus in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, And one site that I found listed 26 different parables within those three books. And it identified in which book did those 26 occur? Now if authors, listeners, reporters, and and even if they work from the same source, they need to decide what information to actually include within their writings. What are they going to write down? And so with 26 different parables within those three books, I do find significance In the fact that there are only seven of the 26 that are listed in all three. Those include the lamp on the stand, new cloth being placed on old garment, new wine being placed into new wineskins, the wicked tenants of the vineyard, the fig tree, the mustard seed, and, and then also today's scripture, the sower and the seed. And so this is one of the parables that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all deemed important to be heard, to be read. And so if their perspective, their story, and the meaning of this story carry weight and significance in a believer's walk of faith. So we're going to take just a brief look at what the parable means for us as individuals laying some groundwork for some reference a little bit later on, but the larger question that I have for us today is this. How does this parable apply and speak to us as a community of believers? Not just as individuals, but as a community. So so in this parable, the sower of the seed is providing the gospel of Christ, the the word of the kingdom to all those who will listen, all those who will hear. And as, as was written, as Corey read, Those who have ears, listen, listen up. But then the difference is, how do we as listeners respond? How are we hearing that? How are we embracing that? And in the first setting, the first setting would be the seed that landed upon the path against the hard ground. That was seed that was never given a chance to take hold, never given a chance to take root. And whether that is because the information came was confusing, not understood by the listener, or maybe it was denied and ignored because of a hardened heart to the word of God, there, there is no attachment made. There's no attachment where further pondering later could be considered. So that's why it says, you know, the birds come, Satan comes removes that seed, never to really be considered again. In the second setting, the seed that landed on rocky places against the stony ground, there is an initial connection made for the listener. They are engaged, they are encouraged, they receive the good news with joy, is what is phrased. But then there's challenges and trials that come. Life and faith may get tough. Things don't necessarily go our way. And we lose faith. Individuals lose a focus. But in that setting, there's a lack of a deep connection. There's lack of a deep root system to hold fast in the face of that adversity. And then the third setting, the seed that landed among the thorns is one where the listener may initially experience growth, but then the thorns choke that out. So you you don't get something choked out unless there's something to choke. So there is initial growth. But then the thorns would be distractions, temptations, the availability of wealth, the availability of something that takes our focus. And it could just simply be the worries and concerns that we face on a daily basis in life. We lose focus. And so the seed gets choked out with time, focus, and energy going somewhere else, somewhere other than God's Word. But in the fourth and the final setting, this will be the seed that falls upon the good soil, these would be the ears and hearts that are prepared to listen to, to hold dearly to God's word. That allows the faith life of a listener to flourish and to grow. And a good crop is grown. Good fruit, and I would say the fruit of the spirit, is evident in their lives. In a Christian, Christianity.com article written uh, about a year ago, Pastor Greg Laurie of Harvest Christian Fellowship gave each of these four soils a heart name and then described each of them this way. So I'm just going to read this. Laurie stated, First, there is the hard heart, the seed that falls along the roadside. This represents people who hear the word of God but never really believe it. Second, there is the shallow heart. That's the seed that falls on stony ground. This signifies the people who hear the word of God and receive it with joy, but because there's no root to sustain them, they wither. Third, there's the crowded heart. And this is the seed that falls on ground where weeds choke out its growth. Slowly and surely, these people, busy with the cares and riches of the world, lose interest in the things of God. And finally, there's the fruitful heart that receives the word the seed falls on good ground, and the plants produce a rich harvest. So so that would be Laurie's view of how those would be described. And in addition from from his book titled The Parables of Jesus, Bible theologian James Montgomery Boyce labeled each of these hearts similarly. Uh, The first two, he refers to the hard heart, the beaten pathway, and the shallow heart, rocky soil in the same way that Laurie did but then he also for the thorny soil he refers to it as the strangled heart and for good soil he refers to it as the open heart so I think each of those gives just a description of what is our heart as we listen as we hear God's word and it's our reception of that seed that's determined by our preparedness, by our preparation as the condition of our hearts. So as we sit and listen to sermons like today, or we do our daily devotions, or we discuss and we discern within our Sunday school class, or our Bible studies, wherever those things may be, those times spent in the Word, I'm confident that we tend to place ourselves in category number four, Fruitful and open hearts. That's what we are desiring to have. And that's right. We desire to understand the truths that are revealed in Scripture. And we hope to display in our lives good fruit led by the Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We desire to hold true to our faith in good times and in bad times, challenging times. And we desire to glorify God in our words and deeds. We are called to live our lives seeking his word at all times. But we also know we are not perfect. We, we sin, we fall short. But we want to have the good soil. We want to display the fruits of that good soil. Regrettably, I also recognize that there may be episodes in our lives when we each dip into the categories of the first three. Having a hard heart, not be fully willing to be challenged or convicted by God in small ways, large ways, whatever that may be. Having a shallow heart, times when we may become discouraged, disheartened, We may lose focus. We may lose some trust to totally engage. Having a crowded heart, and I think this is the one that is maybe the most challenging one. Becoming distracted by the glitz, glamour, the wealth, the allure, the ease, the comforts of this world. Many different ways that our focus can be choked and distracted. But the parable of the sower and the seed speaks strongly to listening for and holding to truth deeply, resolutely for our personal faith walk. And I pray that we continue to seek to be fertile soil, keeping our hearts open, be ready to be challenged by God's word, committed to keeping and seeking his will in our lives. In the sermon series flyer for July that uh, would have been in your uh, boxes the last few weeks, we wrote this description for this week. Revitalization requires a community to minister to, to support, and encourage one another in our faith walk. And so my main point goes along with this then. Again, how does this parable apply and speak to us as a community of believers How does this parallel apply as we look to be revitalized? And, And part of that discussion that we've had with revitalization would be growing in numbers, but more importantly, growing in fellowship and growing in faith. Where and how are we revitalized as a community? So how do I minister to, encourage those around me, who may display the characteristics of hardness, shallowness, and chokedness of hearts, while also recognizing there may be times that I tend to go there, but again, we're seeking to be fertile soil. Now, individuals with these characteristics will either have no interest in being part of our community, new Christians that we're looking to draw in, or maybe are willing to be just on the fringe Again, not fully engaged. They're fully led astray. But available and liable to be distracted. How how do we minister to those individuals and even within our own congregation? If we are claiming to be good soil, of rich soil, then we're called by God to respond with dedication and love and care and patience and wisdom and time, for that person with a hard heart, the seed tossed along the path. I think of the story of Rosaria Butterfield and Reverend Ken Smith. I'm not gonna go through all the details of that, but I've referred to that in the past, but Rosaria Butterfield was teaching in the English Department and Women's Studies program at Syracuse University from 1992 to 2002. Was in a lesbian relationship, a proponent of women's studies, um, things that we would not propose, but living next door to the Smiths, a pastor of the church. And Rosaria would have had no interest in any way of hearing from Ken and his wife of God's love and forgiveness, none whatsoever. Her heart was hardened for the gospel. But in her own quote, she became open to asking about the gospel after 500 meals. It was that relationship that Ken Smith and his wife had with her, talking with her as a friend. In 1999, Rosaria accepted Christ as her Savior prior to leaving Syracuse University, and she continues as an author, as a speaker, and a devout follower of Christ. She had a hard heart, but Ken Smith and his wife were used by God to soften that. I also think of in Acts 8, the Ethiopian eunuch who was reading from the book of Isaiah, but, but as scriptures say, he wasn't understanding. He could have easily ended up putting those scrolls aside Never to venture further in study. And yet Philip, by the call of God, was told, Hey, go stand by that chariot. Go down to the river. And he did. And so the seed took root in the Ethiopian eunuch, as Philip was able to explain. And the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized. Again, a hard heart that was changed with fertile soil. For that person with a shallow heart, the seed tossed among the rocks, are we willing to spend time with someone in the middle of those needs, in the middle of those challenges where someone may have not a deep understanding, but are we willing to spend time for them to develop that deeper understanding? Are we able and willing to recognize individuals who may have a shallow heart? And and that can be a challenge. Not easy to see, not necessarily easy to address. But how can we help encourage? And even more importantly, how can we help model what a deep and a committed faith would be? Uh, I also think of the numerous church leaders who in recent years have walked away from their faith. Um, number of different YouTube videos you can find where somebody claims I, I've left Christianity I've left the church um, frequently many of those individuals have had discouragement or disappointment somewhere in their life somebody has let them down maybe a church leader so they blame the church well are we willing to walk with them as they need to have a deeper faith not in me, not in you, because we're fallible, but in God. How can we show God's truth and love in the middle of their questions? Can we invite them in and then can we walk with them, share within some of the inner circles that we may have developed over years and we are supported by? But can we be an inner circle for somebody else as well? Can we be part of two or three inner circles? Because they need that just as much as we may need that. For that person with a crowded heart, this will be the seed that may be choked out by the thorns. Can we walk with those individuals, modeling how to avoid the pitfalls of this world and I, I, I wrote that last part modeling how to avoid the pitfalls of this world because I, I think that's one of the most challenging things that we face. We can be choked out. There are so many different distractions available to us today. Internet is available. Used to be just, you know, you had to hook up a computer. Now, right now, I bet anybody in here could hook up to the internet right now with your phone. It's right there at your fingertips. And then we also have updated phones, updated laptops, cars, gadgets, games. They're available every year. And and we see society just drawn. I mean, advertisements are drawn to new things, new and exciting things. And then anxiety doesn't help. We've come through COVID, but there was anxiety before COVID. According to the National Library of Medicine report that came out in 2020, so you can think, yeah, 2020, that was COVID time. Yeah, but this is when the report came out. From 2008 to 2018, anxiety among American adults increased 30% over that time and for those individuals from 18 to 25 it doubled so our young adults, our kids are more afraid than the old people anxiety has increased there's so many different things that can pull our attention away from God and two other things whether they entertain us whether they provide opportunities to travel to to do whatever we want and again think that phrase whatever we want we are able to do so much more but is that what God wants and then there's anxieties that come as well all of those are distractions And so how can we uncrowd our own hearts as well? How can we help those who are experiencing anxiety and distractions that take them away from God? And so if if we're claiming that we have prepared our hearts to be good soil, and we claim to be good soil, then we should also be looking to equip and be a loving example to those outside of our church community. We should be a loving and ready to serve fellow believer and supporter and encourager for those within our church community. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 commands us, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near the very beginning of that says, stir up one another to love and good works. Sounds like revitalization to me. Stir up another to love and good works. So, so there are hearts to be won over for God. And there are hearts within our own walls, maybe our own, that need to be revitalized and stirred up so we need to be prepared to be good soil each and every day. It's not just a matter of saying, I made this one decision and I'm good to go for the rest of my life. No, it's a reminder. Commit daily to being good soil. And I would say good soil intentionally seeks the will of the Father and then follows it, carries through. Uh, The surveys that the congregation that you have filled out with the revitalization process have, have been collected. Um, congregational meeting on August 20, uh, just looking ahead for another month. Leadership board will fully inform congregation of what was heard, what you had listed, what you had written down. And then even with the uh, congregational meeting that we had down in the fellowship hall, some of the verbal comments included areas of Recommended focus and thoughts, families, discipleship, worship, youth, visibility. And, and these are all excellent directions for ministry focus. And as the sermon discernment continues within our congregation over the next month and years or year, we will have areas, some new, some current, where ministry will be committing to doing something different, something new. We're continuing something that is blessed and, and just continuing good work faithfully. And I'm confident that we are ready and willing and to do that work, to be revitalized in God's will. But again, we need good soil from everyone to do that. Each of us needs to be present and active. And good fruit is born from good soil being utilized, being stirred up, making itself available To nurture others. So so here are a few questions that I have for us as we commit to being good soil. Am I willing to commit my time and my presence to either being a resource or being an active supporter and participant in the various directions that revitalization efforts might occur? Am I going to be present and active? if there are new believers that we encounter whether they're in our doors in our walls at your workplace whoever that new believer or non-believer may be the one that may have the rocky soil do they need support to help them through challenging times and will I be there to walk with them and I think again I'm referred to this a challenge for many of us is we're too busy well If I let my schedule be filled to the point where I am not able to commit to a ministry or an interaction with someone who needs God's love, and this doesn't necessarily mean it's somebody from outside our congregation. It may be somebody here in the congregation. If I'm too busy to be here and be interactive with them, are we being good soil? Will I help enrich and encourage others in their walk of faith? Will I allow them to help and encourage me when I have some struggles, some challenges? And I see some of the habits that we want as good soil would be engagement, fellowship, humility, patience, love, and mercy. That's good soil. Will I be seeking to engage in a fellowship of believers, whether that's a Sunday morning, other times of meetings, to be blessed, or am I walking into a scenario looking to bless God and to bless others? Because I fully believe that as we bless God and bless others, we will be blessed. I'm going to close with this story in reference to Gail Sayers. Sayers, with the help of author Al Silverman, wrote his autobiography back in 1970. So that's, what, 50, 53 years ago? Autobiography was titled, I Am Third. Sayers, uh, a football running back, had been inducted into both the College Football Hall of Fame Uh, He had played at University of Kansas from 1962 to 64 and also the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Uh, played with the Bears from 65 to 71. But while he was at Kansas, Sayers also ran track. And one day he was in the track coach's office, Bill Easton, and he saw a sign placard on Easton's desk that said, I am third. And so Sayers asked about that. And Easton explained, well, the Lord is first, my friends are second, I am third. That was Easton's view of how to go about life. And so Sayers took that, ended up having a medallion made with that phrase, and wore it during his playing career. Not necessarily on the field, but that that was part of what was his commitment. And in Scripture, in Matthew 22, 37 through 39... Jesus was asked by the Sadducees what the greatest commandment in the law was. And you can probably quote this with me. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. Romans 15, 2 says we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Help others do what's right. And to be able to do that, we need to be prepared and be good soil. So if we're serious about being good soil for God, serious about revitalization for ourselves and our congregation, we need to commit to worshiping, loving, and honoring God first followed by the care and concern for others. There are hard hearts. There's hard soil that exists. There's rocky soil, shallow faith that exists. There's thorny soil. There there are distractions all over. Those things exist. But we're called to prepare our hearts to be good soil each and every day. We're called to minister to those around us who need our love and care regardless of the soil type that we may see them have. But see, even in doing that, there's a humbleness that we recognize. We've got tendencies ourselves. We are all sinners saved by grace. But that commitment to God and others That's what ministry of the gospel is. Giving love, mercy, and care to those in need. And those who need the embrace of a loving father through his loving children. We are his hands, we are his feet. So may God open our hearts. And and the song that we're going to sing here, open the eyes of my heart. Lord, open our hearts, open our eyes to all those needs, to the different challenges that, that we may face ourselves through our day, but open our eyes and our hearts to follow you.